0: Welcome, everyone, to Two Guys to the Dark Tower Came, a podcast where we discuss the characters, connections, and deeper meanings of Stephen King's magnum opus, The Dark Tower. I'm Jay Russo. And I'm Sean McCurr. You can find more information about the podcast at Two Guys to the dark tower You can also email us at Two Guys dark tower at gmail.com. In this episode, we'll discuss The Dark Tower Book One, The Gunslinger, Chapter Five let's start the show. Great. Well, thank you, Jay. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Same here. So,
1: chapter five, The Gunslinger and the Man in Black. In this chapter, Roland and the Man in Black have a palaver. The Man in Black does a tarot reading for Roland. Roland has an eye-opening vision, and Roland continues on his quest for the Dark Tower as this book comes to a conclusion. So we've talked often about the publication history of these uh, stories. And as with the other stories, this was originally published in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. That was in November, 1981. And one interesting thing about it is it was titled the gunslinger and the dark man in that Mm -hmm. version. And then when the first edition of the book was collected in 1982, this chapter was also called The Gunslinger and the Dark Man, and it wasn't until the 2003 revisions, when King made revisions to all of these stories, when they were collected as part of the republication in preparation for his final jaunt from you know the, the first three books through the end of the series— Uh, that it was changed to The Gunslinger and The Man in Black. And I think this might have caused a little bit of confusion last week when we were saying what what was coming up next, and I might have stumbled over the the title. So, Jay, why the change? Um, Is it significant? Is it not significant? And anything you want to
0: say about it? I don't know that it's terribly significant, but I kind of wonder why he even called him the Dark Man to begin with. Because the opening line of the book is, the man in black it's not the dark man fled across the desert it's the man in black fled across the desert so he's always the man in black why suddenly title the chapter or the the short story as the dark man yeah it seemed
1: odd to me too it's almost and again n- no spoilers or anything but it, i'm wondering if his idea of who this character was was different in some way than maybe how
0: he turned out to be it could be and i realized thinking back on it a couple of times in um just conversations with you, I referred to the man in black as the dark man a couple of times and I kind of think of him as that that's just an alternative name for him. But as I was rereading this book and I've only been really reading the the new version of the book, that name is not in this book. Yeah. So Uh, I was like, why do I how did I get this dark man thing? You know, am I confusing it with like some Liam Neeson movie or something? And you know I I've been reading I've been reading
1: a lot of an author named Lawrence Block and he said a lot of times in his early career the publisher had a lot more control over titles than he did. So, hmm. you know, I don't know if that was a case where, you know, maybe for whatever reason the the publisher in the magazine wanted needed the extra characters and wanted to go The Dark Man instead of The Man in Black and King just went along with it, didn't change it and it wasn't until 2003 when he wanted to. Just Sort of an interesting question. I know we've pointed out a couple of times where there's been changes between the original novel and this one. And I just doing the research on this one, it it sort of stuck out as me because
0: it is a significant change in the title, which we hadn't seen thus far. And it's still kind of puzzling because he's always the man in black within the content of the the book. It's only in the title that he's ever referred to as anything other than that. And we, we find out through the course of his conversation with Roland in this chapter that he has himself presented or, or gone under the guise of other people. But he never said, You could also call me Dark Man. You know, so. Dark Man, that would be cool because that really is Liam Neeson. <laughs> yeah. That's what, I, that's what I was referring to earlier. It took me three minutes. Sorry, James. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll ease back on the references. <laughs> Just give me a chance to catch up with them. I'm sorry. There's a deep cut on the Liam Neesons.
1: Well, unlike the previous chapter, which when we discussed was full of high action throughout, we take a little bit of a pause here. Basically, we're just in a long conversation for the extent of this chapter between the man in black and Roland the gunslinger. And so where we sort of reached a peak in action in the last chapter with The Ultimate Sacrifice of Jake, we're now into the denouement, if you will, of the story where things sort of settle and we get to this conclusion that Roland's been searching for for this entire book, which is getting to the man in black and asking questions, right? Right. And there's sort of three, I would say, significant pieces that happen here. So there's the initial conversation with the man in black, Um, it involves a tarot reading after that, there's this vision that the man in black bestows upon Roland that's fairly significant. And then there's the aftermath of the discussion and what happens next, which leads us into the conclusion. So I thought we'd start with the tarot reading. So after a little bit of discussion between the man in black and Roland, some back and forth, you know, we've talked about before how the man in black is a trickster figure. We really get it here because this is our first sort of extended. Discussion with Roland and you can tell he's sort of prodding him and poking at him throughout and then we get to this tarot card reading right
0: right the few words we've we've gotten from the man in black thus far have all been kind of chuckles and I'm in on a joke that nobody else is in on but this is the first time we've gotten to hear him say anything of substance and there are and we we get a little bit more of his character finally but he still is that kind of obnoxious trickster the the whole time you know it's like th- this i'm giving you information that is you know monumental in importance but haha you're an idiot you yeah know, kind of <laughs> and i'm giving you
1: this information but i'm not going to tell you what it means exactly right so yeah. the tarot. And i'm also
0: going to tell you a bunch of stuff that's probably not true and let you pick out the good stuff from the bad although what's interesting about it is we don't know what's true and what's not right
1: so when he pulls out this deck of tarot cards and tarot cards, you know, have been around. Um, they came out of Europe early 15th or 14th century, I think. And were originally just used as cards. And it wasn't until a little bit later that they became this sort of source of divination that people would use them for fortune telling and and serving other purposes. And that's really what the man in black is doing here. Um, and he starts to pick out cards and really there's seven that he uses to tell the story of what is going to happen to the gunslinger potentially, right? Right. And so the first card that he pulls out is the hanged man. And he says that the hanged man represents Roland. The second card he picks is the sailor, and the sailor represents Jake. And that's because the sailor's like a drowned man, right? And so he pokes fun at Roland and says, oh yeah, we've left him behind in the water, right? He's fallen off the trellis and is now now drowned. Um, and it's when we get to the, the next two that is are interesting, right? So the third one is the prisoner. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one is the lady of the shadows. And what's interesting about these two is that it references back to the oracle that Roland met earlier in the book in the oracle of the mountains.
0: Right. We get some really great reinforcement of another source of prediction uh of you know magical divination that that makes us think that you know now that we were getting this like this backup prediction so to speak it's like that must maybe this is really important or maybe this is definitely true because the other ones like the hanged man the man about really messes with roland's head he's like you know roland first sees that and thinks does that mean i'm gonna die and he says no 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 i mean (laughs) It it this is you, but it just means you're gonna be strong, or you're gonna have the strength to survive your, your journey. And the the sailor is, you know, it's like Jake, and he's like, ah, oh, you know, sorry about that, you know. But then we we get the uh, the prisoner and the lady of shadows, and we're kind of doubled down on the prophecy, right? And and just for a reminder, and the prisoner,
1: when you see the card, the card is a man with a monkey on his back, right? So the prisoner is not necessarily somebody who's been jailed, but almost somebody who has an addiction, I'm assuming the monkey on the back and so prison
0: of a different kind.
1: Right. And so the, the Oracle had said, the first is young, dark haired. He stands on the brink of robbery and murder. A demon has infested him. The name of the demon is heroin. So that's what the Oracle said when they said the Oracle has said that there's going to be three that are three that are important to you. And so we can almost make a, connection, right? If we're going to say monkey on your back addiction, the one that is heroin is probably that one. And then the second one, the lady of the shadows, the Oracle had said, she comes on wheels no more. Um, That's all she, the Oracle knows about the second one. And then the third, the Oracle says death, but not for you. And then the fifth card that the man in black uncovers is death. And he again reiterates, but not for you. So there's definitely a correlation between what we're seeing between the Oracle and the man in black. So there's a definite pattern here.
0: Right. I, I really like the whole not for you or death yet not for you. We're led to believe that these three, because we know Roland is the hangman and Jake's the sailor. And then the next three seem to be the only ones that we don't really understand because the, the last two are the tower which is pretty mysterious the way the man in black presents it but it's the the tower that Roland is seeking so that's pretty straightforward of what it represents and then the last one is life which the man in black says again but not for you gunslinger so we're like well oh, so wow. is he What's he's the- not dead and he's not he doesn't get death and he doesn't get life so is he he's in some kind of endless limbo in between those two potentially yeah and the
1: other thing that's interesting about the Oracle, if you go back and read that section, is the Oracle says, there are other worlds, gunslinger, and other demons. These waters are deep. Watch for doorways. Watch for the roses in the unfound doorways. And so when we get also later on the Jake saying there are other worlds than these to Roland, that's reiterated here as well. As long as, and, right. the, and the doorways, which at the end, the Man in Black, or I'm sorry, yes, the Man in Black says, you know, you're going to come to three doorways on, on the beach, right? Doesn't that come up later in this chapter? Yeah. So it's all being reiterated here.
0: There are three cards in the tarot reading, tarot reading that's going to be fun for me to say over and over again, <laughs> um, that we don't recognize or don't they don't connect to any of the events or characters that we've come across yet in this book. So those kind of stand apart to me. And then we learn that there are going to be three doors. So maybe it's like behind each door, there's going to be one of these cards or each door is going to be marked with the card or something like that. Monty and, Hall style, right? Yeah. I'll take the Lady of Shadows. <laughs> or uh, Wayne Brady, I guess, for
1: you younger listeners who might only know Let's Make a Deal, uh, the current version. Um, and then this is probably obvious, but it just occurred to me now that Roland is the hangman. And one of the key incidents from Roland's youth that is presented to us in this book is a story of when he and Cuthbert go to see a hanged man, right? Like that right. seemed to be a significant event in some way. And um, there's a, the other piece where Roland talks about how he hung a not man once as well. So um, a couple of times where hangings come into play here also. The other part that's interesting about the tarot reading, um, and I think both you and I called out this quote is when you know Roland's getting very frustrated the man in black isn't giving him answers throughout the gunslinger has been presented as somebody who's very much a Joe Friday just a facts man right like he wants to know very precise things throughout and he just gets really upset and frustrated you know why are you showing me these you know why are you doing this and I want more answers and at one time The man in black, you know, he says something like, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know what this means. And, but then he also says, don't ask, merely watch, consider this only pointless ritual if it eases you and calls you to do so like church, you know, (laughs) which, and you know, so he does that. And yet, you know, he tells him, you don't, you don't have to worry about this, but he continues going through it. And the gunslinger continues, of course, to ask questions and really wants to know. So he's not able to put it aside. He wants answers desperately. And even if he's only going to get bits and pieces of knowledge from the man in
0: black, he's willing to take it. That line that you just quoted came on the tail end of the prediction of the Lady of Shadows tarot card. What I thought was like really interesting in there was one of the things that the, the man in black said was, does she look two-faced to you, gunslinger? She is. Two faces at least. She broke the blue plate. And when the gunslinger asks what he means, he says, I don't know. And then that's when the gunslinger just like reads him as definitely telling the truth. Like he really doesn't know what that means. So it gives us some insight into the man in black is acting more like a conduit of information. This isn't necessarily things that he knows and fully understands himself he's he's just a vessel for a message in a sense and this is him delivering that message yes and so he's just that he's the bottle with the the note inside and he's you know so good you know the gunslinger's taking the note out and it says something about a blue plate on there and he's like well that doesn't make any sense but all right right I, I thought of him more
1: as a uh, French Stewart in third rock from the sun when they would get messages from the big giant head. Do you uh-huh. remember that? And they just, he was literally a conduit, an antenna where the information would just pass through and be repeated directly to um, the rest of the family. I, I did get that, you know, but in this case, the man in black is aware that he has a purpose and we'll talk a little bit more about that. In the coming section right like there there's there's something to the man in black and why is he serving this conduit and we get a little bit more of that after roland's vision so after the tarot reading you know he throws the final card into the fire the man in black does and says i'm not the great one you seek roland i am merely his emissary and then he says sleep now perchance to dream in that sort of thing and Roland gets really, really upset with this, right? He says, what my bullets won't do, mayhap my hands will. And he goes to attack the man in black and he sort of falls and dreams, right? He, there's some sort of magic that occurs here. And this is when he has this vision that's that's brought to him by the man in black. right? And the vision seems to be sort of a zooming out from earth into a bigger universe, and it's biblical in some sense, right? So the man in black's narrating it and saying, first there's light, and then there's land, and then you see the dinosaurs come up and sort of the the birth of the earth. And then eventually, there's an interesting point where Roland sees that the earth has a curve to it and realizes, hey, the earth's round, just like Vinay had claimed it had been proven long ago before the world moved on. He starts to pull out and zoom away from the earth. And he eventually goes past Mars and the asteroid belt and Jupiter and the outer planets until he's very much just sort of astounded by the scope of, of the world. When he gets to that point, he starts, this is the gunslinger, says, please, no more, no more, no more. And the man in black whispers silkily in his ear, then renege, cast away all thoughts of the tower. Go your way, gunslinger, and begin the long job of saving your soul. And so we've talked a little bit before about how Roland's had many opportunities to stop this quest, get away, change things. And, right. And of course, Roland says, never. And then let there be light, says the man in black. And there's this sort of immense light that just sort of blows his mind literally in, to some extent. Um, yeah. And then he sees something, right? He sees something before he comes back. He fled the light and the knowledge the light implied. And so came back to himself, even so do the rest of us, even so the best of us. So there's a lot happening here in this vision. Yeah, I love that line. Let's let's try to unpack it a little bit. Yeah, th- that last line, even so do the rest of us, even so the best of us, is a nice little couplet that wraps up this section of, of the vision. And it doesn't seem to be from anywhere. I know both you and I did a little bit of research to see, is that a King original? It sounds like it could have been you know, a romantic poet couplet of some sort, but
0: I don't think yeah. it is. We didn't find anything, so I guess we'll give Stephen King credit for that one. Yeah.
1: We'll allow it. So what's happening here? Why Why this giant vision of sort of the universe, which later on when they start describing it, the man in black actually says you saw the universe, and the gunslinger has never heard the word universe before.
0: It starts off with some very biblical-sounding language, but I, after thinking about it a little bit more, that's just maybe some shorthand to give you some, maybe some sense of scope. Mm. Because aside from saying, let there be light and showing things happen in rapid succession, I don't think there's much more of a parallel to the Genesis story in the Old Testament. So I think what's really happening here is Roland is being presented with the reality of the world and of the universe, that it's bigger than just the continent that he's standing on. And it's... It's actually bigger than the whole world, and that it is in fact a planet, and that planet is just one in in nine or eight, depending on whether <laughs> you're talking to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, and then it just gets bigger and bigger from there. So I I think this is something the Gunslinger needs to learn and fully understand. It really is his first step to the tower, because you can't grasp what the tower is about unless you understand the basics of the, the structure of the universe as we know it. You need this mind blowing vision, I guess, to just say like, oh, this is this is what you see if you go out a hundred miles and then a thousand miles and then a hundred million miles. Sure. Yeah. And we get the you know, with that little
1: inset piece of him saying, Oh, Vinay knew this and tried to teach us this, it was something that we knew before the world moved on. So some of this knowledge had existed at some point, but obviously with whatever happened, now they're at a point where they don't have that scope, right? Their scope is limited to, hey, we live in Gilead, there's stuff happening out West, and then there's unknown stuff beyond that. Um, yeah. And so we really do get, you know, for Roland, his world has expanded just sort of a hundredfold
0: with this vision, right? Vinay said that this was proven- But it's just a reminder that even though there's all this leftover technology from the radioactive slug powering the the pump in the way station to the stove that works, that still works in the the kitchen in Gilead, it seems like nobody, or it's a reminder that no one knows how these things were made, how they really work, and they can barely keep them running. Mm -hmm. And if it breaks, they just walk away from it. Yep. So when, when Roland wakes up
1: from this vision and he sort of groggily gets to his knees and the man in black says, you did fairly well. I never could have sent that vision to your father. He would have come back drooling. And the gunslinger is confused by that. So what's the difference between Roland and his father that Roland is able to take this in, you know, in the midst of it, say, I want to continue on and see everything and not come back drooling like some idiot in a. Lovecraftian mythos uh, stories who've who've seen such dark horror that they can't comprehend it and go insane.
0: Yeah, it just breaks their brain. I would say that this is evidence that Roland exceeds his father's intellect in some way, but it could also be proof of Roland's limitations, such as his lack of imagination that we keep hearing about. You know that he doesn't think too deeply about things; he just experiences them, takes them in. Reacts if he needs to react, but he doesn't spend time pondering them. Whereas his father might have been a very smart person, but his approach to this information would have caused him to short circuit.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that that's part of it. And, you know, also the fact that when you're provided information like this that potentially could blow your mind, if you don't have a reason to have it, it could really sort of set you on a path of thinking about it and making you go crazy. Whereas for Roland, Roland may understand, like, okay, I get it. You're telling me this, this is my next step in understanding how to get to the tower, and so I need to learn this and all right, I'll go and move on. Like he's so yeah. he's so stubborn that he's going to let it happen and not go crazy. That's part of his lack of imagination, right? He's so on one train single-minded. Of single-minded. That's a better way of putting it.
0: Yeah, to him this is vital information. So he doesn't have time or the luxury to let it break his brain. He's like, "Nope, nope. I just got to file this away in the uh <laughs> The old Rolodex so that I can get to the tower.
1: Yeah. And so when we get this sort of explanation of what happened, we learn a little bit more about the man in black, right? Um, I think it's right after that, that the man in black says, I made your father and I broke him. Uh, I came to your mother as Martin and took her. She bent beneath me like a willow, although she never broke. And so he's really had a larger purpose in Roland's life beyond just this chase and answering questions about the tower during this conversation.
0: Yeah he's been around Roland for basically his whole life. Was it Roland that he was lingering around or was it just a coincidence? Right. Either way, he had an effect on Roland from an early age and ended up being this very same figure that Roland has been chasing these last 12 years, I think, or something. Yes. You know, he's pursuing him. And so he finally catches him and it's like, wait, that was you? Right. And I think Roland kind of accepts that Information rather dispassionately, like he just doesn't really. He's just like, oh, I thought you would have been older. You yeah, know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It, it it is sort of
1: weird, you know, especially when in the last chapter with the flashback, we saw a very emotional Roland who wanted to face court early so that he could get his guns so that he could go after Martin when he was with his mother. Right. Yeah. So we have this very almost dispassionate Roland at this point, as you say. Well, he he did just have that vision experience that <laughs> true. He is a he's a little punch drunk, <laughs> and the the man in black also says, "I am the furthest minion of he who now rules the dark tower, and Earth has been given into that king's red hand." He says, "We'll not speak of him, although you'll learn more than you care to if you press on." So we also learn that although the man in black may seem to be the antagonist, he's really just a minion right in 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 this larger plan, and like you said, has you been a minion from the early steps, early ages, and of of Roland it, it, was all this ka that he needed to go on? like where where does he all fit in?
0: I thought it was interesting to hear the man in black call himself the furthest minion. Now, when I hear furthest, I actually think of distance. But I, And I don't think that what it, that's what he means. I think he's using it more metaphorically. And so he's saying like, I'm a low level. Oh, like on the org chart for this? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm just a low level worker here. You know, I, I don't, I'm just a messenger sort of thing. You haven't gotten but, to
1: the boss level
0: yet. But at, a, at another point in the conversation, he says, there is one higher than me that you need to meet hmm And we don't know who that is. He, we get a name, but that makes me feel like there's this Red King, and there's the one higher than Man in Black, and then there's the Man in Black. So- is he really the furthest minion, or is he does does this red king only have two minions? Well, the red King has flattened his organization quite a bit, so the span of control
1: is much it's much everybody's broader a than vice is. president everybody's a vice president in the <laughs> in in the red King, yeah um, you say you sort of dismiss the fact that he's furthest away. Maybe that's true, but after the vision we just saw, I mean potentially it could be right like we were just shown that these two are really just specks in a huge, huge universe. Yeah. At this point, I have no idea where the red King is. I've been told there's other worlds than these. I've just seen sort of one big universe. Is he somewhere within that universe or is he somewhere else? I don't know. So
0: that's a good point. Uh, He could be being literal about being the furthest minion that he's, he's the guy he sends out on the longest road trips (laughs) to spread the, spread the good word. You're going to Walla Walla, Washington for this.
1: Yeah. So, the gunslinger, you know, even though you've seen this vision, they've had this discussion. The gunslinger wants to know what was it? What did I see at the end? And the man in black says, What did it seem to be? And he realizes that maybe the man in black doesn't know what he saw towards the end of the vision either. Right. And he calls him on it. He says, You don't know. Oh, great sorcerer who brings the dead to life. You don't know. You're a fake. And the man in black says, I know, but I don't know what. And the gunslinger says, at the end, there was white light and a blade of grass, one single blade of grass that filled everything. And I was tiny, infinitesimal. And it was purple, a purple blade of grass.
0: I think it, it was important that it not be green so that we understand that it's not a blade of grass that we know.
1: Right. And then right before that, the the man in black also says, this is not the beginning, but the beginning's end. You do well to remember that, dot, 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 but you never do. Right. He, He never remembers things.
0: I don't know. It seems like he's got a pretty sharp memory. What does he keep forgetting? I don't know. This is where if you were on another podcast, you might say
1: mildly interesting. All right. So we've gotten this vision We've learned a little bit more about the man in black. Um, We've learned a little bit more about Roland and this vision. And then the man in black starts to tell this sort of longer story, right? Of sort of what the universe is and what it means. And it's done third person. He's not actually telling him, telling him, but he talks a little bit about the knowledge that exists and, he mentions North Central Positronics, which which we have heard of before, is is a company who had learned a lot but didn't have any insights about it, right? So they were able right. to cure cancer and almost conquer aging and walking on the moon. And the gunslinger's like, This is all BS, I don't believe it. But
0: yeah, that's where he draws the line, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? Walking <laughs> the on moon. the moon.
1: What are you crazy? And the man in black, again, very similar to what he said earlier with the tarot card, says when the gunslinger says, I don't believe it, the man in black says like you needn't, yet it was so. But, so all these things, uh, you know, artificial insemination, cars that ran on power from the sun, what a weird, weird world. But what is the point? The gunslinger's like, what's the point? And this is sort of the insight that I think the gunslinger's looking for. The man in black says, the greatest mystery the universe offers is not life, but size. Size encompasses life and the tower encompasses size. The child asks, what is above the sky, the darkness of space, what's beyond space, the galaxy, beyond the galaxy, another galaxy, beyond the other galaxy, no one knows. You see, size defeats us. And we get sort of this look the other way, right? So when we zoomed out from Earth out to the, the broad universe, they sort of zoom in like if you go in, the pencil tip's not really solid. There's atoms, and within each atom there's electrons and neutrons revolving around, and it looks like it should be great, you know, but when you look at it at actual size, the distance between the atoms become leagues, gulfs and eons. So we're sort of zooming in ant man like.
0: Right. Yeah. So no matter which direction you go, whether you go out into the universe or in into an atom, you basically just fall into another universe. Yeah. So it's like if every atom in every piece of matter we know of is actually another universe and inside that universe is full of more atoms, which in turn are their own universes, then basically goes on to infinity in every direction. Yep. And
1: you say infinity and he says everything in the universe denies nothing to suggest an ending is one of absurdity. So, you know, there's no, you can keep going deeper and you can keep going out, right? There's no as as the man in black says, there's no sign that says dead end, turn around. Like you can keep going either direction. And that's where you start to get your size sort of defeating you, right? Because you can't comprehend it at all. The man in black can't. We certainly can't. I certainly can't. And you think you might look through and discover our entire universe is, but part of one atom on a blade of grass, which is literally almost a vision that... Mm-hmm. The gunslinger had. Um, yes, perhaps that is a
0: purple blade of grass.
1: Yep. And when we say the m- world has moved on, maybe we really mean that it's begun to dry up, so that it's not just moving on; that just something's happening in a different way. That things are sort of dying
0: or decaying or falling apart in some way. Mm-hmm. Which brings us the possibility that if Roland's world is part of a universe that is just an atom in a purple blade of grass somewhere. And that blade of grass is dying, and it's just going through its normal lifespan, which eventually will mean it will return to its constituent elements. It makes it feel like the world moving on, while terrible for the people within Roland's universe, is just part of the natural order. Mm. It's not necessarily the work of evil. And maybe this isn't something that Roland needs to deal with. On the other hand, Roland seems to be pretty bound and determined to rescue his universe or maybe that's what he thinks he needs to do. So we also heard about this Red King and you know, and then there's this tower that's the nexus of, of everything. So it's like, is it the natural order or not? Yep. If it's not the natural order, maybe causing something to shrivel up and die uh, is actually on purpose. Yeah, no, there's a lot going on there, right? So we,
1: he's brought it all yeah. together where like there's a tower that is the center of all this. And maybe there's somebody sitting up in a room in that tower. And is it God? Is it something else? And is the gunslinger willing to go to the top of that tower and figure it out? And of course, I mean, even though they say you dare not, of course-
0: Somebody dare. dared.
1: And of course, the gunslinger is going to dare, right? Like that's his purpose. And despite all this very heavy philosophical talk of universes and atoms and people's place in it, they're both sitting on a be- beach, basically. So not a beach, but they're both sitting in a a, a, a killing ground. There's lots of dead yeah, skulls The Golgotha. Around the, the Golgotha. And they're just sitting around a fire talking and as the fire goes out, the man in black and the gunslinger get cold and the man in black says, well, build it up yourself. It's the butler's night off. He can yeah. stay jocular at any point, can't he? Mm-hmm.
0: He's never taking anything seriously. And when when you and I were talking about this, we are like, was he just using... 20th century earth vernacular just to be a wise ass or was this something that he thought was just funny because it was like he's just being sarcastic or because he he lived in this city this city state that roland grew up in and roland probably had butlers or at least manservants yeah, or something. You know, like maybe that he was just like reverting to like, hey, remember when we used to live together in in Gilead and you had butlers? Well, tonight's the butlers' night off, so you have to do it. Like, and I guess it just works on all those levels, and he still qualifies as being a jerk. Yeah, for saying it. So. It's
1: it's good. I I really do enjoy the character of uh, the man in black fur the little bit that we've been with him throughout this book.
0: Yeah, it, it makes me really um, really look forward to seeing uh, Matthew McConaughey's portrayal yeah. of this to see if he is as much of a jokester. Because, I mean, he can do that. But if he imbues it with a little bit more gravity or seriousness, it might not be as, as fun.
1: Right. So, you know, they've been sitting at this fire. They've, you know, had visions and gone to sleep, but the night continues on and on, right? Like it's not at one point Roland looks for the light in the east to see his sun rising and. He's like, this night's not going to end until we're done with our conversation. Like, right. Don't don't worry about the light coming up. It'll come up when it's time, but it's not time. yet. We have to continue our discussion. Yeah, so, we're, we're not done here. Do you think that that's the man in black's magic? Somebody else's magic? Or is it just seem that that way to them that the night's not moving on? Or does it matter?
0: I'm not sure if it matters, but I don't think it's the man in black's magic. I think that once they entered the Golgotha and the sun went down process was started Mm. and it was these two characters finally were achieving important moments in their destiny by having this conversation, by having this meeting. And I think it's outside of both of their control and even their, to some degree, their awareness of of what's going on and how it works. Yeah, I suspect it's not the Man in Black's
1: magic. I agree with you. The Man in Black's magic, which is described as glamour, just does seem to be very... Not simple, but, you know, hey, look, I can make a rabbit appear out of the folds of my cloth, or I can make yeah. lights over here, or I can change my face to be what I want you to think I look like, you know, but not necessarily I can stop time and space type of
0: magic. Yeah, that seems a little bit outside of his uh, scope.
1: Yep. And so, they, you know, they've gotten to this point now where we've had the vision, and the man in black says, okay, fair and square, you caught me. You want to ask me questions, right? And yeah, the the gunslinger starts asking questions like, hey, who's your king? And the man in black like, "Uh, I don't know. I've never seen him, but you have to meet the ageless stranger. He's next in line. And how how do you know him? And he tells him how, you know, you're like, I know him because he sent me on my youth. And, you know, he's raised me basically to meet you. You know, you're you are that apotheosis gunslinger. You are my climax. Um, does the stranger have a name? Oh, he's named and what's his name, Legion, blah blah blah. But he gets through all these questions. He's like, This isn't what you want to ask, right? You don't think right. this you and it's not in your nature to think so far ahead. You've got a series of steps you want to go through. Why are you thinking about all these things? What is it is what is it that you wanted to ask me? Uh, the gunslinger knew the question. It had gnawed at him all this night. It trembled on his lips, but he did not ask it, not yet. The stranger's a minion of the tower, like yourself? Yar, are, he darkles, he tinks. he is in all times, yet there's one greater than he who, and the man in black gets frustrated, who, ask me no more. I know not, I do not wish to know. So what? what is it you want to ask? And then the gunslinger said, and then asked the world's oldest question, will I succeed?
0: Will I win through? Is that the world's oldest question? I don't think so. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like it's even worth asking. I mean, in the context of this conversation, there's so much more useful information he could ask it for. Like, how do I succeed? You know, give me the, the data I need to achieve my goals, not will I achieve them? Yeah. You know? Does
1: the gunslinger seem like somebody if he would, if the man in black would answer this question and say, no, you won't succeed, that the gunslinger would be like, all right, I'll just go to sleep here and die then? Like, Or he's so stubborn, he's going to continue on his mission no matter what, right?
0: Yeah. I I don't think anything is going to stop him unless he's dead. Yeah. And he's not just going to die.
1: Like, he's not going to give himself up or commit suicide or
0: just pout. Yeah, I I think that, because the man in black refuses to answer. He says, if I answered that question, gunslinger, you'd kill me and it seems like the gunslinger can't kill him right <laughs> but okay but at the same time i think it's the lack of an answer that is keeping him alive i think is what he means because mm. whether he's the answer was yes or no i think he would the gunslinger would kill him like that's right. all i needed from you thanks <laughs> now now you're done yep so that's why he just won't answer that yeah i think if he said yes he would say all right great just what i wanted to hear and <laughs> But I it's not enough. It it feels like a wasted question. It does. And there's all this building up to it. It's like, oh, that's not what you wanted to ask me and and he knows what he wants to ask and finally let himself ask the question and you're like, all right, this is it. No, nope, not really. Is this
1: is this uh too much build-up and not enough uh resolution? Is this typical king having trouble with endings, or is this something different? Is there more going on here that we should be asking ourselves. I think
0: it's a little bit of B and C. <laughs> yeah, probably, right? Yeah, I think this is King struggling with the ending of his book, but I also think it's it's all that's all swirled in with his rewrites because as we know, he changed what that question was from the original edition.
1: Yes, the book that I'm looking at from 1982 says the gunslinger asked the world's oldest question. Do I know you? Have I seen you somewhere before? Yes, says the man in black. And then the gunslinger killed him. Where the gunslinger (laughs) leaned forward urgently. This was a question of his dent. I almost said density. Like George (laughs) (laughs) McFly. This was a question of his destiny. And then he says, I think you know where. And then, you know, that's where he reveals that he was, in fact, uh, Martin in some way, right? Like you're not Martin, you're Walter. There's some sort of confusion and I know they changed the people, but you know, there, it it was changed. It still doesn't seem to work in either edition for me. I think the original
0: question is even worse. Yeah. Right. Which is why it was changed. But I don't think this really helps him. No. I think the first questions he asks are actually good. Like who are these people that are running the show? Like what are their powers? What are their, why, why are they doing what they're doing? You know, give yourself some contexts you know like know your enemy that sort of thing it's like nah just tell me how it ends yep like no that's terrible and i think as a storyteller king should avoid that i don't think any author wants you to jump to the last page of the book to find out how it ends before you read the rest of the book so why would he have his character build up to this question and basically say how does it end yeah how does it end indeed So they talk and talk and talk and talk
1: some more, and he tells him more a little bit about the tower, but, you know, eventually the gunslinger doesn't remember, right? Like they had this long talk throughout the night and to his oddly practical mind, little of it seemed to matter. Right. There's lots of talk of Roland's mind in this chapter, right? There's that reference. There's the reference about how your father wouldn't have been able to do this a little bit earlier. The gunslinger says to find the tower is my purpose. I am sworn. And then the man in black says, not your purpose, gunslinger, your mind, your slow prodding, tenacious mind. There's never been one quite like it in all the history of the world, perhaps in the history of creation. You know, is it so, so simple? You So, so stupid? Or is it like, yeah, just a unique, unique mind. Um, But we get to the end and he basically says, like, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be gone, but you're going to come to the three, right? So the oracle is going to come true, basically.
0: Right. Yeah. So now it's like tripling down on the, at least part of the tower the reading.
1: Yep. Uh, the tower has always been there and there have always been boys who've known and lust for it, boys who look for the doors that lead to it. You will draw three. So drawing seems to be some sort of power, right? That the gunslinger has not really been invested with, right? Or would he be invested with it? He just sort of has this power, right?
0: Yeah. The, the man in black says, um, nobody would dare give you any additional power. And it's like, okay. So he's already like Superman with the guns and, and he knows so much about magic and jaw bones and stuff like that. So now he has this other power that he already had. You know?
1: Drawing. Yes. So, and you, so, you know, he, he has, a, his next mission is to go to the sea, which lays 20 easy miles to the West and that's when he'll have the power of drawing, you know, and we've already had this discussion of tarot cards. It's almost like drawing from a deck, you could think, uh, you know, I think that that's probably one inference we can make. There's some
0: sort of, yeah, probably not the, like exact, drawing a picture. No, not like any.
1: drawing a picture, sort of like getting or gaining in some way, right? Picking. Um, we know that the next book's going to be called the drawing of the three. And then the man in black says, let there be light. There's light. And Roland wakes up still around the campfire, but now he is 10 years older and the man in black is dead, just a skeleton laying
0: there. Yes, because apparently one of his other powers is being able to look at himself all alone (laughs) in a Golgotha and exactly know that that 10 years have passed, that he's aged 10 years. It
1: it, it is sort of weird. I don't know if he has a mirror there, but he can tell that his hair had thinned and had gone gray at the temples. The lines in his face were deeper and his skin rougher. So... Whereas we've always sort of had this third-person perspective from Roland's point of view. It sort of bounces out here so that we get that picture of it, King taking a little liberty there with that. And he knows that the Dark Tower is somewhere ahead of him at this point, right? And that he's got the next step of his mission, which is to go to the beach. And that's where we end, but not before he takes the man in black's jawbone and puts it in his pocket, much like he did with the jawbone earlier, right? Right, from
0: under the way station. It was like oddly comforting to have something back, like he, he had another talisman or something to ward off evil yet to come. Yes. So that takes
1: us to the end of this book, Jay. Is there anything else in chapter five, The Gunslinger and the Man in Black, that you want to point out to our listeners or discuss?
0: Yeah, a couple of things. One, I, I liked uh, some of the language that King used when he was describing the Golgotha, when he talked about the alabaster xylophone of a ribcage, mm, yeah. and the uneasy bone meal that they were getting all over themselves and their clothes, because this is a place of massive amount of death and all of these crumbling and fossilized skeletons. Um, thinking about after Roland has had his vision, he gazes up at the night sky and he sees the Milky Way. And the, the line in the book was, the Milky Way sprawled above them in great splendor. Yet terrifying in the emptiness between its burning lamps. Mm. I thought it was a kind of a poetic way of saying how devastatingly large space can be. And Roland didn't think about it that way until he had been exposed to just how big the universe was a moment before this. Yeah,
1: I would imagine they've got good night viewing there, though. No light pollution, yeah. no smog in the middle of a desert. That's got to be some uh, or or up on a mountain. <laughs> yeah, beautiful view of the Milky Way there.
0: And there's a line that uh, that says that the gunslinger was made for light, and in a lot of Stephen King books, there's often the the, the very simple dichotomy of light versus dark. And wasn't he described as the Lord of Light earlier?
1: Or his father was the last. His father Lord? Was, was the, the, last? the Lord,
0: last Lord of Light. Yes. And was it in the stand that they talk about the coming of the white? Mm. Um. And so if the gunslinger is made for light, and then all of the biblical lines about "Let there be light." It's like it's almost like it's reinforcing the gunslinger's natural environment, or or it's bringing him to a place where he is at his strongest, is in the light, and so maybe that's part of why he's able to withstand this vision, because he is made for light. And I just had like a kind of a a a head scratch moment, just wondering when we hear about the ageless stranger, uh, who's also named Legion, is that the same person or thing or creature as Walter slash Man in black slash Farson slash Dark Man? <laughs> or is that really another thing, another, this other emissary that Roland is told he's going to meet later? I don't know the answer to that. That
1: seems very, you know, as we get this org chart of people, how do they all map out and where do they all come in? And, you know, we talked a little bit earlier last episode about how the man in black had consumed, right? Consumed, uh, Martin his
0: soul Yeah the was... or, the article says that he consumed his soul yeah. but then in this conversation on the Golgotha it it just says no that was just me in disguise yeah, right. So, what does consuming of a soul consist of exactly, right? Like, is it- Right. So, when the gunslinger meets the ageless stranger at some point in his future, is he going to just wink at him and say, nah, it's me all along, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Oh, good to see you again, Roland. <laughs> oh, and also the uh, the interesting line that the Man in Black says to Roland about his guns. Mm. He says, those guns do not open doors, gunslinger. Those only close them forever. Be a good anti-NRA slogan, I suppose. <laughs> there you go. Brought to you by the gunslinger. <laughs> I,
1: he knows of what he speaks. Right. Yeah, but it is interesting because its it doesn't seem to be, especially knowing what we know, right? Like after they have this discussion, it's basically the man in black's fate- to die anyways, when you're already prepared to die or going to die, having a gun shoved in your face isn't much of a threat anymore, is it? It just doesn't... Yeah. If, if what you want is answers to questions, you
0: can't threaten somebody who's about to die anyways. Yeah. You, you have very little leverage in that, yeah. that position.
1: And it seems like the man in black's whole purpose was to come to this moment and he knows he's going to die here, right? He says he's almost immortal and he's been around for hundreds of years that he, the purpose that he had was this, so he's going to do it.
0: Yeah, I was just going to bring that up because we learn that the man in black is very, very old. We don't know exactly how old he is. Perhaps he is ageless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we wonder, did the person who he serves, the Red King, I guess, did he pick him out of the world hundreds or thousands of years ago to say, okay, I'm going to imbue you with some magical powers and abilities and make you immortal, but the whole reason for your existence is to have this conversation with the gunslinger. Yep. But that won't happen for a really really long time. In the meantime, you just help me, you know, make the world a worse place. <laughs> uh, yeah. And if that's it, has the man in black known this from from the start? Did he know that okay, uh, this is a good deal. I just it just means I know when I'm going to die. Yep. And it's going to be a long time from now. So
1: I'll enjoy it while I can.
0: Right. (laughs) To to what you just said, Jay,
1: and this is sort of the last quote that I'm going to pull out. It's one of the last things that the man in black says to the gunslinger. He says, I am compelled to tell you partly because of the sacrifice of the boy and partly because it is the law, the natural law of things. Water must run downhill and you must be told. So that natural law seems to be like this is what happens. You get told something and you must... And he says, you will draw three. I understand, but I don't really care. And I don't really want to know. Really, my yeah. my job here is done. You, Your job is to go with it at this point. And I do like this last line. He says, the chain is still in your hands where it doesn't wrap itself around your neck. And I don't yeah. know if the chain is like he's got a leash or what that chain, if he's talking about like a chain and like the links of life and this sort of what that chain is, but you know, He's got to be careful not to kill himself with it. And, you know, the fact that he's the hangman and he says, make sure it doesn't wrap itself around your neck or you right. will literally become the hangman. All right. So our next episode is going to be a wrap up of this book and we'll get into our thoughts on what we thought of it as a whole. How does it work as a standalone piece of fiction? You know, it was, what, six years between this book and the second book. If you were, you know, reading them one after the other, you had to wait a long time. Um, In King's lifetime, it was, I think, 19 years to finish the first one and, you know, six to seven more to finish the second one. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, We will also have questions and comments and thoughts from some of our listeners. So if you have any, feel free to send those in and we will do our best to answer them in the coming weeks. So thanks, Jay, for your discussion today. Thank you. All of our contact information is available in the show notes. You can email us at twoguysdarktower at gmail.com. Our Twitter feed is at the number two guys, dark tower. Look for that Twitter feed for updates on our publication timeline, as well as thoughts from our listeners. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be all for this episode of two guys to the dark tower came for Jay Russo. I'm Sean McGurk. Thanks for listening.